0: So I've been asked to talk on a topic that I talked about at the opening of the month-long March retreat. And uh, perhaps it's as relevant for this retreat as it was for that retreat. And um, <clears throat> So you know what the kind of meditation that we do at Spirit Rock is sometimes called mindfulness meditation. Sometimes it's called insight meditation. And it's called insight meditation because it involves um, having certain insights. And there's many kinds of insights that can be had. And I kind of like to distinguish between insights with a small I and with a capital I. The small I is, I think, of especially anything that's particular to oneself. So we keep learn all about how you know we work and you know, we have experiences in our, early in our life and we start seeing how it affects us today or, you know, we have very powerful insights sometimes that are particular to our, our own story, our own life. But the capital insight has to do with insights that are universally true for everyone. They're insights that are called universal characteristics um, and they're not necessarily you know, personal or partic- in the sense of being particular to an individual. And those three insights that are held up as being the most liberating in this tradition is the insight into impermanence, the insight into um, uh, suffering, uh, and the insight into not-self. And there's a lot of discussion, a lot of Dharma talks given, a lot of things written about these three insights and their importance. And, um, and but the key importance is there's something about seeing them in a particular way that allows us to release our grip, our attachment, our holding. And so they're celebrated, they're emphasized, and talked about a lot. When I was practicing in Thailand, I got so tired of hearing talks about the three characteristics. It like, seemed like that's all they had ever talked about. It's not, that, is that important in the tradition. However, <clears throat> as insights, I think of them a little bit more like revelation. In that there's something that gets revealed to us, rather than something we try to understand, rather than something we try to logically put together. Does it logically make sense? There's you know there's not self thing, or you know how does all this work? Um, but rather, um, what we do is we practice in order to have the insights. In order to the insights to show themselves to us. And 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 what's interesting is that what we practice to. What we what we we don't practice. You know, what we practice is the opposite of the insights. So the first insight is impermanence, <clears throat> change, and constancy, and what we practice is stability. Is some kind of constancy, a constancy of practice. We, the constancy of practice over days and weeks and months and years is extremely important. Coming on retreat, like you know, like a like a a silent retreat without families, the, um, you know, the constancy of going, coming back into the meditation hall, you know, hour after hour. That regularity, that stability, um, is really important. We practice we stability in order to <clears throat> uh, stabilize the mind, stabilize the heart, so the agitation we carry with us quiets down and calms down. And as we become more stable then we're able to see more deeply. The mind becomes clearer, or there's less, uh, less uh, you know, agitation getting in the way. And at some point, with enough stability, what stands out is the insight into change and how things are constantly changing. But we're cultivating stability. And one of the reasons that's very important is that <clears throat> we need to have adequate stability in order to see the change. And some people need to have psychological stability in order to let this deeper work of insight to work. I've heard people uh, who've taken in this kind of teaching on the three characteristics as a belief system come and say to people uh, they're having trouble in their life, and they say, don't worry about it, it's just impermanent. Everything's impermanent. As if that's supposed to be a good, you know, just a good understanding. OK, you know, I'll go along with it. And sometimes that's wise to see. Um, You know, I've known people who had got a flat tire, and they said, oh, impermanence. And they're just more relaxed around it. But there are people who live very unstable lives, uh, lives of poverty, living in war, living in lots of, you know, violence, uh, lots of change, lots of moving. And to tell them that things are impermanent, oh, everything's impermanent, that's just how it is, just makes it worse for them. It gives them no hope. And what they need is to have some stability in their life. And when there's enough stability, then they go to a whole different level of insight, uh, of seeing this kind of a deeper level of change. And and that deeper level of change that we can see is received into a heart and a a mind which is calm, steady, stable, strong. And then it can do its liberating work. So the opposite of... um, of uh, the second characteristic. Second characteristic is dukkha, or usually translated as suffering, and um, the opposite. I like to think of it as uh, well-being. Well-being is a word which is very vague and covers a lot of territory. Um, it's kind of a um, but includes things like happiness, joy, delight, gladness, um, uh, contentment, perhaps, and uh, it's a whole world of well-being. And that what we do is we're cultivating well-being. We're not cultivating suffering. The point is that a good Buddhist is not just be someone who can suffer better. Um, but really, we want to you know, end suffering. And so we cultivate well-being. And part of the reason of cultivating some kind of well-being is so that um, we can be more honest and direct in our encounter with the challenges of our life, the suffering of our life. And uh, if we go too quickly into the suffering, we might not be ready. Uh, and some people, it, it can just add salt to the wound in order to just kind of stay keep, you know, keep their, their, their nose up against the suffering all the time. It really helps to, have, to cultivate a sense of well-being. And classically, a huge part of Buddhist practice, so from ethics, practice of ethics, practice of generosity, practice of metta, practice of living in community, friendship, um, is to cultivate a sense of inner, inner well-being and classically, also, part of the function of meditation uh, was not insight first and foremost, but was also to create a sense of well-being, some kind of joy or delight or ease. Or um, I like the word ease a lot in this kind of vocabulary of well-being. And so it might take a lot of inner work and, and outer work to understand you know, what it means to be happy and what it means to have a sense of well-being. But that's kind of the... It's not, I think it's nice to you know that's the direction we're going. And so what What supports that? What allows for that? How can we avail ourselves of it? And what I've noticed I, I, among enough people, I think here in the modern West, <clears throat> is an attitude about happiness that... Uh, which you're supposed to be happy. It's like just like... you know, you're supposed to be happy. And some, you have to go do therapy or do meditation or do something to try to kind of the dust so you can just be happy but I think the Buddhist idea of, of, of happiness is not to be happy but to do happy that uh, we don't in Buddhism we don't say we make ourselves happy that doesn't work either but there's a middle way between making and being and that is doing and it's doing the things that are conducive for happiness and the, one of the things that uh, in meditation at least that can work is to get concentrated. If we're able to kind of really pour our focus into our meditation practice or other things as well, so that we're absorbed in the activity. So we become kind of unified or engaged in just doing this. So I'm just doing, I'm here in the present moment for my breath or this activity, or what's happening here. I'm not thinking about what happened yesterday or about my taxes or about, you know, you know, where to go on vacation or how am I going to pay for my rent or something all important maybe things to think about, but they all have a tendency of fragmenting us. And if we can get ourselves focused and concentrated in a lovely and harmonious and healthy way, uh, there's a, our, our psychophysical system is, is created, uh, amazingly enough, um, to have um, uh, feelings of joy and delight and happiness arise, seemingly for no good reason except that we're completely involved with what we're doing. So if we come to the doing part, just really do something that brings happiness. Uh, to really do that. There's something about really getting there for do it, without resistance, without hesitation, without self-consciousness. And give ourselves uh, some things. Like maybe it's endorphins gets released, serotonin gets released. Who knows exactly you know, what, what it is? But um, there's something very healing and healthy for our system. When we really can give ourselves to doing what we want, do, do, really doing something wholeheartedly. So the idea of cultivating, we cultivate happiness. And what would it be like for you if that was kind of explicitly part of what you're trying to do? Not just always trying to be mindful, but, but you're trying to cult- live a life where you're cultivating greater sense of well-being as part of it. So the third insight is the insight into not-self. It's a complicated topic, in some ways. And, um, and people kind of wrap their heads and do kind of intellectual gymnastics to try to make it all sense, make sense, you know, make sense of it. But it's not meant to be a belief, the idea of the not-self thing. It's not something you have to kind of get yourself to understand. In fact, it might actually be better if you didn't understand it. Um, uh, until you have it as an insight, until it's revealed to you and it's like, like your perception just shows you, wow, it's clear there's no self here. Wow. I mean, no one has to teach me. I don't have to read about it. It's just like, this is obvious. It's that level of insight. But what we're cultivating is not the insight. What we're cultivating is the opposite. And the opposite, I like to think of this not-self thing, is self-confidence. And, uh, and uh, to develop a strong sense of confidence, a sense of mastery, a sense of efficacy, a sense of worth, of, of personal value. Uh, the Buddha was an example of someone who held himself up, held himself with a tremendous sense of power, dignity, efficacy, sense of worth, sense of confidence. The classic uh, expression of the Buddha's confidence is he makes a lion's roar. If you've ever, you ever really been close to a lion and a lion roars, that's about as confident you ever want someone to be around you. I mean, that's pretty powerful. So, so there's a whole kind of range of things that we can cultivate under this concept or this category of confidence or self-confidence. But you know, to really take, your, take our place, to take the one seat, to kind of really be here in a full, embodied, and clear way, and to have the kind of self-awareness of our ethics, self-awareness of, of uh, our motivations, our intentions, the reactions we have, our emotions, um, and to have some capacity to be confident that we know how to take care of ourselves in different situations. Not that we know all the answers to the complicated issues of life, but we have confidence that we can keep our balance in them, or equanimity in the middle of them, or we don't have to get ruffled or afraid in the middle of it. That's a powerful thing to do. And when we have a strong sense of confidence, um, then at some point that the, the insight into not-self is received into that confident field. There's a lot of people, plenty of people, who have powerful insights into anatta, not-self, but they uh, don't haven't developed that sense of strong confidence or strong sense of embodiment or beingness, or they're not really themselves in a clear, confident way. And it can be quite uh, discombobulating to kind of have this to see there's no self here. But if there's confidence, you can. Doesn't matter if you're not a self. <laughs> you, you know who cares? And the Buddha's idea of the alternative to having a self is to be happy. <laughs> That was his idea. It's not like you're left with nothing if you, if you understand not self. His idea is you're left with joy and happiness and well being. And he lists five, six, five or six things. You're left with delight, joy, tranquility, mindfulness, clear comprehension, and happiness. That's a pretty good exchange for this self thing. You give away one thing and you get six things back. Anyway, so we're cultivating these. uh, cultivating these three things. Cultivating stability, well-being, and and then this confidence. And with those in place, then everything else becomes a lot easier. And then at some point, when the time is ripe, the insights arise. So as we go through this family retreat, uh, and you're practicing kind of mindfulness here, we're all practicing being mindful in what we're doing. You might see if there's some way of bringing in these uh, qualities um, of stability <clears throat> into your mindfulness, into your situation, into your, your being, as you go about here, and see if that's helpful. How can you be more stable in whatever you're doing? As you go through the family retreat, uh, is there, can you avail yourself of greater well-being? How can you be nourished and supported by a sense of well-being or happiness or joy or delight, gladness, whatever it might work for you, contentment? Can you kind of call on it in a, in a healthy and appropriate way? And then a confidence. Can you cultivate or have or tap into a greater sense of self-confidence or self-worth or self-dignity or you know, something that can hold hold you here? And then you might see what happens with your mindfulness with those three as a support for it all. So, um, thank you, and um, may you enjoy the time here. And now I think we go out and pick up the kids in the courtyard.